Paul, episode 20. How about that? I feel like that's relatively significant, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah. 20 episodes, people are listening. People don't seem to hate it. That's kind of like... We've only got one, one star. I know. It's not bad. I actually worry about that a little bit. I really wish they would have told us why. Yeah, I know. So I know. any of you out there who <laughs> want to give us a one star, we have all five stars and one one yeah. star. That's fine. That is your... Yeah. But please let us know why. So yeah, we can take it. Anyway, besides that one one star... People don't seem to hate this. I mean, yeah. it's been 19 episodes of pretty heavy topics, right? The history of race and patriarchy, different types of discrimination and inequities, our own experiences in our personal lives and in the workplace of racism and how we've perpetuated it and how we try to dismantle it. We talked about white supremacy and the dominant culture. We've had theories and frameworks and Venn diagrams and hierarchies and ladders. I mean, it has been a lot. Like, <laughs> so it sounds like a playground that we've yeah, just been playing in. It has been a lot. And repetition and revisiting information is really important to retaining that information. And like, that's how my mind works. I have to read and look at stuff multiple times. So we thought, because we've had so much information and in recognition of our 20th episode, that we'd have a recap episode. Let's revisit a few of the topics that we've discussed and things that have stuck out to us. We can identify where we have grown and what we still want to work on. At the end, we also have some suggested action steps that you listeners can do to take all that we have talked about on our journey so far and help to make concrete movement up the ladder of empowerment towards having a positive white anti-racist identity. Dare I say, Paul, that of all the heavy topics we've had, this is going to be the lightest episode that we've had so far. Don't make promises you can't keep, That's true. We're probably going to get deep. So let's find out. This is The Modern White Man, the podcast where myself, Paul Johnson, and me, Ken Lawrence, discuss how to be a modern white man who is anti-racist, anti-sexist, and understands his role in creating an equitable society. All right, first, I would like to start this recap episode out by expressing some gratitude. So thanks to you, firstly, Paul, for doing this with me and all of the engaging, challenging conversations. You know, this process really strengthened my understanding of the importance of working with others through the tough subjects and not having to do it all on your own. You know, having others who are working towards being anti-racist in my inner circle, really seeing how important that is. Someone who I can trust with my questions and doubts, because we all have questions and doubts, right? And even like all the times, Paul, when you and I like will text each other about different situations, we're like, hey, what about this? Did you see this? What are you thinking about this? And like, I just, I've seen the importance of that. I really hope our listeners can have others like that in their inner circle on their journey, and also, if, if you don't, if you're like, man, I wish I had a white guy to talk to, I really don't, like, that's trying to work on this, let us know. Maybe we'll start a little support group or some such, you know, like, reach out to us, themodernwhiteman at gmail.com or through our contact us form on the website. You know, that's just an idea down the road. If, if just let us know, we might do something like that. So thank you to you, Paul. Thank and, you to you, Ken. I got to add that in quick for starting this. There's no way I would have ever started this. And you've done an incredible amount of work. I mean, behind the scenes with editing and, and producing this and setting it all up. So and just, yeah, thank you for, for inviting me to be a part of the, the journey. Hey, I love it. Thanks, man. And thank you to you listeners out there as well. And, you know, seeing that this is 
resonating with so many of you is a real motivator to keep fighting in our own way for equity, right? It's important to know that there are many out there who want to create an equitable society just like you. So all of you know that, right? Like, if no one was listening to this, I doubt we'd be here at episode 20. So thanks to you all. And hopefully y'all out there have taken away some beneficial nuggets. Like at the end of the day, that would be great. Like things here and there that you think about or whatever, you know, I just want to tell you how much I have personally grown from doing this podcast and going through this process. It was, it was really fun to listen back to episodes in just a year's time, how much I've really learned and how much it has impacted my everyday life. It, it It's really been a positive experience. So it's good. It's healthy to express gratitude. So that's my gratitude to start yeah. this thing out. I'm curious. Did you find out the episode when Bamboozled was first used? Yes, I did. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course. That's a, that's a top takeaway. <laughs> don't worry. Bamboozled will come up. Yeah. Uh, I don't think... I, th- I think I realized I don't think we used it last episode. So wow. I'll be the first to say apologize That's to our true. listeners. And so I don't think anyone's listening to this episode because we didn't use it. Yeah. So, But maybe at this point, Ken has gone back and edited the previous episode, yeah. added bamboozled, and we're all good. So. It'll just be in between thoughts, like just, <laughs> just the word. Bamboozled. Bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. That was a top takeaway. So let's start recapping some stuff. I did listen back to most of our episodes. Not all. But, but most of them. And clearly, besides bamboozle, the number one takeaway from this whole experience has been creating the phrase survival and thrival. <laughs> so I hope you all remember that. It came up in episode one. And then it was really downhill from there as far as multiple <laughs> words that I made up goes. And I tried. <laughs> but survival and thrival, I started out mm. at the top. So I'm always thinking about how we can best express our survival and thrival. And really, in, with that first episode with surviving and thriving, That first through four episodes, one through four, we talked about the history of race in this country. Even before this country, with the origins of race and all of the racist policies and ideas that went into creating the racial disparities that we see today. And then in episode five, we talked about the history of gender roles and why there are gender inequities. You remember Womb Envy? That we even like dropped Womb Envy in last episode Mm. real quick. Like re-listening to Womb Envy, I'm like, oh, it's still so true. (laughs) It still resonates with Mm -hmm. me so much. So, you know, all of those history episodes are just such a reminder of the importance of grounding ourselves in history. We really have to take an unfiltered look at our society, the good and the bad. It's critical to making a positive change. After those history episodes, just look how many times we've referenced that history and episodes that followed. And the history that we laid out is, of course, so high level, right? Like, there are so many opportunities to dig into any topic that interests you more. I, of course, encourage it. You know, it just provides so much clarity. So if there's ever any part of it where you're like, whoa, that really happened or... I'm interested in that. I guarantee you there are books written about it. People with different identities have probably written about it, and that's always really healthy to do as well. So I'm always a big proponent of that, as you all know. Just like dig into any topics because it really does provide some clarity. So that was really in episodes one through five. And then episode six on traditional masculinity was really the first time that we did some personal unpacking in real time. Something that jumped out in listening back to that that I want to highlight and also, it just came up in a conversation that I had recently with a, with a white guy is that masculinity is not bad, right? When it becomes bad or harmful is, one, when traditional, 
outdated masculine traits that may have helped our survival as hunter-gatherers are applied to today's society, that can in fact be detrimental to our survival, right? Think of like road rage, expressing like flashes of anger when we were hunter-gatherers was probably a thing that helped us survive. Not helpful on the road today, right? So we have to think about masculinity in today's context. And two, what is important is defining for ourselves our own masculinity and our own gender. Not feeling the pressure to live up to the social expectations of what makes a real man, right? That has a lot of negative consequences for men themselves and others around them. I used to think that toxic masculinity was like bad for everybody else but men. And that was like a good learning for me. It's like it's really toxic for men themselves really to like live up to those expectations. So that was a, that was a really healthy exercise for me. Yeah, it's almost like there's like a hierarchy within masculinity. We talked a lot about that dominant versus non-dominant uh, norms for masculinity. So you have maybe at the top this tough, gruff, apathetic, even dominant, right? This idea of dominance at the top. And then you have like sensitive, empathetic, submissive at the bottom. So again, those characteristics necessarily aren't bad or good. They're all good. They're all maybe can be bad. But the idea is that there isn't a hierarchy where or those who identify as men who are sensitive, empathetic, they don't have to code switch or they don't have to change who they are in order to live up to this expectation of being tough or apathetic. And, you know, you could also throw in like cisgender and heterosexuality at the top to add that to those characteristics and then gender nonconforming and queer at the bottom. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. You know, it's funny with those masculine, traditional masculinity and, and those two episodes that we had. I like remember how much I applied that in my everyday life, like the weeks that followed. I'm like, I think I'm expressing mm -hmm. some like really like natural masculine traits here. Is that necessary? Is that really yeah. how I'm feeling? Like, is it so it, it was really mm. good for me. I, I really almost feel like more comfortable thinking about my own masculinity in that way. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. So rather than like something's coming up as far as like experience or an emotion, instead of looking at like, is this good or bad? looking at it as like is this appropriate for this situation mm -hmm. um, or it might be bad it might yeah. be good because bad and good first of all that's that either or thinking right mm -hmm. and that also can quickly put you in, into shame right because that, that's why that good bad binary can be really toxic because it puts us into shame right. rather than what's important in that situation like is what i'm feeling right now or displaying helpful for the situation yeah. or is it not yeah Maybe it's not, okay, what, what, what would be helpful, right? Mm -hmm. Or it is helpful, so I'll continue on with this, right? So totally. I think that's a good way of looking at it. And with that, you know what is a big takeaway from mine after listening back to those? Is that you and I are pretty similar in how we have defined our masculinity. I think it would be good to talk to someone who is different than us, but still has positive masculine traits, mm -hmm. right? Who mm -hmm. are like really into guns and UFC and, and like things that aren't mm -hmm. bad, right? You and I just don't subscribe that to our masculinity, but some people might have it in a really healthy way and that's mm -hmm. not bad. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting just like to talk to somebody else who, who has defined their masculinity different to yeah. show like, really like it's not good or bad as long as you don't harm others, as long, you know, as long as like it, it, it that would just kind of be yeah. interesting. Although I, I, I feel like it'd be hard to prove that UFC is not harming other people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be interested to hear them make the case that like, cage fighting is <laughs> good <laughs> i don't know i mean i'm open to it liking it is good is fine right like you can like it like maybe you, like you and i but like ufc is not bad you you can definitely 
make that argument. Yeah, yeah, I'd be open to right? it. Right, and that's yeah. again, that's because my mind right now is going good or bad. I'm yeah. like, prove me wrong. Right, but it, it's I think. And maybe that's even a, a thing to strive as, as men, too, because I think that's a traditional male characteristic, like, prove me wrong, show me the data. Yeah, yeah. I'm not budging unless, like, you make a compelling argument. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think something to strive towards is, like, yeah, let's explore it. I'm open to nuance. I'm open to hearing you. Yeah. I'm not going to come into a conversation already, like, convinced otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm... I think that'd be a really interesting conversation. Cool. We have some like fun things we'll be announcing moving forward with our podcast. So that might be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. All right. And then like my second thing as I listen back is in episode seven and eight, we talked about culture and I really benefited from those two episodes on culture. You know, listening back to where I started at the beginning of episode seven, I was having an extremely hard time thinking about my culture in a positive light. Because I always threw a race caveat on there and it deflated my sense of a positive personal identity that my culture was giving me. You know, it really forced me to think about defining my own personal culture. And yes, my cultural roots that you and I both shared, it's, it's important to know where my family and I came from. But I also had to define what my culture was today. And I attempted to. And it really came down to like a lot of Minnesota things. You remember like mm-hmm. the hockey stuff and lake life. And then instead of putting the race caveat on all those things that define me, I recognize the impacts of my race on my identity. Our group membership is an essential component to our identity. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked at length about that. I mean, that's kind of like the basis of why we're doing this. But it doesn't negate my culture and things that I value Mm -hmm. about how I was raised and the things that give me joy and the way my family and friends exist. Like, I don't want the parts of my Minnesota culture that I that bring me a lot of joy to be seen as white. Right. We talked about Mm -hmm. that. And like, that's where policies can come into play. Like, I really want policies to allow access to those things for anyone who wants it of anyone anyone's identity right like that's my aspiration we talked about talking about it in an aspirational way and how healthy that is and really like defining and connecting with one's culture is really important and necessary for a sense of belonging that has been a big change for me i can tangibly feel a difference like it was almost like mm. i almost like forgot i was like oh yeah i, I really was struggling with that cuz like going through the process and defining it i feel so much better now and now mm. i'm like i don't really feel guilty about loving hockey and loving these mm-hmm. things yeah so that was that was a really good one for me Outside of that, I think a big takeaway for me was the importance of experiencing joy and fully experiencing joy without any guilt. I think what I have picked up and learned from being in the social justice space for a long time is there seems to be sort of this like stigma around being happy and joyful. Like it's it seems like you have to be just pissed off all the time or upset all the time and there's no room for enjoyment or play or creativity or being happy, you know. It almost seems like that's a wa- seen as a waste of time. Like, you know, we don't have time to like hang out and enjoy each other's company or do fun things. Like, there's work to do, and I understand the tension there. Like, and I see especially for white folks the guilt that can come in. Like, how dare we float in the lake when like people are dying, yep, yep, right, because right. of race? But mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of there. Well, not I think there is a lot to be said of joy and happiness and those positive emotions that keep us sustained in yes. the work. Yep. And like we talked about how it can feel almost selfish, like you're mm-hmm, saying, to mm-hmm. find joy and to not always be thinking about mm-hmm. other inequities or others who are experiencing discrimination when in fact it is actually more selfish 
to have guilt and shame because yep. we put the energy on ourselves. Yep. And like you and I had from that episode that like, what good does that do? Mm-hmm. For if, if I'm floating on my back in the lake, what good does it do for me to be like, whoa, 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 Ken. Mm-hmm. Don't feel, don't enjoy this too much because mm-hmm. like, think about all the inequities in the world right now and this isn't fair. Like recognize that stuff, of course. But like mm-hmm. what we said that I think it was like really resonated is like, no, no, enjoy that time find joy find what makes you happy go home when you're going to work yep let's work and and let's let's create some equities and and all these things but like focusing on it all the time Mm -hmm. is actually more detrimental Mm -hmm. to upholding inequities yeah and you know in in that one of my biggest takeaways from all this conversation and for me coming we'll talk about the ladder of empowerment later but getting out of guilt and shame is differentiating between guilt and shame i probably said this ad nauseum throughout Mm -hmm. the podcast but that distinction between guilt which is this is a bad thing versus shame i am bad mm-hmm. right and probably quoted Brene brown a million times but she says that and she has an episode around saying that shame actually is a tool of of oppression mm-hmm. and i really i really agree with that yeah. shame really just has no place period but guilt guilt is a motivator guilt is something it it it's, it shows that we have a conscience right it shows that we have morality and yeah. ethics like it's a signal like okay yeah i do care there is something bad happening here I can do something about it. However, I am not a bad person, right? I am still lovable. I still deserve forgiveness. I still deserve joy and happiness, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a huge takeaway for me and hopefully for a lot of folks out there who struggle with that. That's great. So as we moved along in our episodes, in episode nine, we had an episode on how equity benefits everyone and an episode 11 on anger and violence. And the big takeaway for me from those two episodes is that we have all been bamboozled there it is all right there it is you know if you ranked every word in the english language on a one to ten bamboozles a ten like that's a ten of a word it's just the best so in 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 the episode on how equity benefits everyone it's that we've been bamboozled to think that equity efforts only benefit a certain group and not the collective good. We gave examples of how equity helps everyone through the economy, the education system, the criminal justice system, and representation and voting. And then in episode 11 on anger and violence, this is funny, Paul. Like I pulled up anger and violence and I was like, oh yeah, we had an episode on anger and violence. And I could not remember what we talked about, like going into it. I was like, what was this episode about? It was pretty funny. It like goes to show how much we've talked about. I was like, what was this about? And then I listened and it was like, oh yeah, this is where we laid out the impacts of the constructed racial and gender hierarchies. Remember like how those internalized expectations can lead to anger Mm -hmm. either to oneself or towards others when one feels like they are not living up to the hierarchy or think that they deserve so much more. Mm -hmm. These hierarchies also bamboozle us into focusing on individualism and stops us from thinking about the big picture and how helping other groups will help us as well. And that's where you gave the last place aversion example, which I've thought about a lot lately, mm-hmm. which is really good. And that came from... Um, oh, Mediocre. Mediocre, yes. right? Mediocre. Did that come from Mediocre? Yep, yep, it did. By, oh, I'm going to get her pronouncing it, Ijiomo Aluo, yeah. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was really good. Like yeah. we, we talked about how the one through five example that we talked about... It's like, okay, you can give money to people and everybody gave money to the people below them except for fours. They gave money to people above them because they wanted to keep that separation so they weren't in last place. That was a really uh, helpful conversation. 
Yeah. I'll, so the other thing, the plan with with anger is, you know, and, and the, the feeling of not living up to expectations that intersects with the dominant cultural norms for men of like, you get over it, you hold it in, you don't reach out for help, right? right. And we see that in not a lot of men reaching out for help for mental health. And then it builds up to the point where it, it comes out in, in violence. That's right. right. And you said like how anger is an acceptable response for right. men, right? right? Where like sadness is less, it's just like the, the norm, the cultural norm yep. of what men can express. Anger is okay. Like yep. that makes sense. And it's that norm mixed with the hierarchies and the expectations that anger is okay and then anger can yeah. lead to violence. And yeah. Yeah. And again, like, sometimes an anger response is totally normal right? right like something happens to you like you get angry like there's nothing wrong with that right. however when you know i'm thinking for myself there are times when i should feel sad but i don't i feel angry mm-hmm. right because i've been socially conditioned to go to anger rather than sadness because sadness if i show sadness i'm seen as quote unquote weak right right so that's where it gets toxic where like my emotion my response should be sadness and and crying but I don't, I don't go there. I go to anger. And that's, that's where it, it's, it, it gets the word, you know, kind of the toxicity comes into play. That's right. Yeah, that was a, that was a really good conversation for mm-hmm. me. And then in episode 12, that is where we talked about roles that we can play as white men in creating equity. And that is where you shared the social change ecosystem. The, the big, one of the big takeaways is that we don't have to do it all. And in fact, we shouldn't. Right. We mentioned quite a bit how racism and the depth of how it is seeped into our minds and society makes it extraordinarily complex. It's hard to grasp. It's easy to feel overwhelmed. It's easy to feel helpless. And we need to think about what our personal strengths are and realize that we can, in certain areas of our lives, in fact, make a difference without personally solving racism. Right. We discussed how it feels liberating to find the right spot in equity work for ourselves and to stop feeling like it's not enough. Remember that, that idea of the episode came from I was having a mm. beer with a friend and he and we were talking about racism and he was asking these questions and at the end he was just like, Oh my god, it's just I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Like I like mm-hmm. and it's just like that that's not helpful. Like we talked mm-hmm. about one and like don't think about you have to solve all of these problems. Like what identify the areas where you can do something or else you will feel overwhelmed. Yeah, my big takeaway from roles that we could play too, just thinking about the identities we hold is we have so much power for good and for bad, right? And that's that's always why I've been interested in leadership, right? Like how can you leverage that power for good? Mm-hmm. So it's just something that we can always fall back on as white men is like we have that power. Um, it's important to note though, this is a perceived power, perceived power that's based off of the, the dominant norms that we've talked about it's not inherent power, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we've been conditioned to believe, though, that like as white men, we we have this power because we're white and because we're cisgender men, right? It's perceived based off of socially constructed caste system, right? So totally. However, that being said, it's there, right? So, how do we use our voice to advance DEI initiatives, like in the workplace? How do we amplify BIPOC vo- voices? But the challenge is, and I don't have the answer yet. I don't think we've figured out the answer, and there's probably no the answer, but. How do we also make sure that when doing that, we don't center ourselves, right. we don't take over, um, which is something that, you know, white men, we feel entitled to do or the urge to do. And then also, how do we avoid saviorism? You know, it's this is just so difficult, so nuanced. And I don't know. I don't know how to do that. And I'm sure that even if I feel like I figure out how to avoid saviorism, I'll still be acting as a white savior. Right. right? So 
it's I think impossible to avoid in some way, but but really important to consider. And yeah, I just I feel like to answer these questions comes through relationships. So when you're doing this work with people, whatever that in the community at workplace, it's about figuring it out within relationships and just keeping you know a lot of self awareness and, and and humility throughout yeah. the process. Yeah. Do you remember we had an episode on leadership? episode 13 i was like oh yeah we had a whole episode on leadership that was a really like that that one one was helpful for me too Mm -hmm. and like we pulled from i mean you have a lot of great you have a master's in leadership and you you, it was really good to have that conversation with you which was really helpful for me and through that episode and listening back i realized how important it is to have a definition of leadership Mm -hmm. especially as white men to think about ourselves as leaders moving forward to be equitable, to create equity. A recap of the definition that we laid out. Leadership is a process of social influence which maximizes the efforts of others towards the achievement of a goal. And the first thing to pull from that definition is the fact that leadership is not a title, it's a process and a process of influencing others, and that it's always towards the achievement of a goal. So the goal part is really important. Mm -hmm. We really talked about that. Like a way to be equitable is to ask, who is making the goal? You know, some goals, of course, can be a personal goal and you're influencing others and maximizing their efforts around that. But like things like in the workplace and equity, ensure it's not just a room full of white guys creating a goal, right? Like who has input? Is the culture one in which everyone can share their opinion, right? And so this definition can be helpful for us to see ourselves as being a leader in different aspects of our lives. I've thought about, you know, myself in the workplace, just having that goal piece has been really helpful for me. We can't just create these goals and benchmarks without Mm -hmm. the opinion of people of all lived experiences, Mm -hmm. identities, races, cultures, right? Like, and then once we have that, like, what can you do to influence others? It was, Mm -hmm. that really is being a leader. Like if you can get people, and like you said in the episode, like you also have to have followers, right? And like, or like people that are like, yeah, let's, let's work towards this goal. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that was a, that was a really helpful one for me as well. And I like you point out that is the culture one in which everyone can share their opinion. That's really, really important because it can be easy for us to like bring together a super diverse group of people in a room, say, all right, I checked that box, lots of diversity in the room, checked another box. I asked for everyone's input, right? But a bunch of people didn't say anything, right? So like, I just went ahead with what my idea was like, so you could say, I checked the boxes. I gave everyone opportunity to speak, but they didn't. So that's where you need to be asked, did you create a culture in which it's safe? To give your opinion though that's the harder work you can check some of those easy boxes you know that's that's the difference between like diversity and inclusion yeah right like right. have you created an environment where people can feel safe to share their opinion freely and honestly mm-hmm. right and did you actually allow space to people give their opinion or you just say hey anyone got any ideas and you give them like a half a second right oh no no nobody put their hand up all right we're gonna go forward right mm-hmm. so there's so much more to it to creating inclusion and making sure that everyone's voices are heard I also, one of my takeaways was thinking about leadership. We need to deprogram ourselves from seeing leadership from a scarcity mindset, right? So in other words, like there's room for more than one leader. There's room for lots of leadership, like the process of leadership within something going on. Because not only is it unsustainable for there to be just one leader, but we get into a dangerous territory of power hoarding. Yeah. Like that, all that power is on that one person or that one group of people. So that's why I like your reference to equity, right? Having all stakeholders at the table, making sure that one or two people don't control the conversation or decision-making process and ensuring that the outcomes of the decision is equitable for everyone, right? So it is a process, right? 
but we as white men need to we need to be, always be mindful of that urge to control the process mm-hmm. and to be the the decision maker right and be the one who has the last word right and i think that's that's difficult for us to to resist yeah for sure and that also reminds me of a good takeaway i had from that is you shared what you studied were different leadership types yep and not everyone can or should try to be every yeah. leadership type because that's where like a lot of stress can come in, right? If like I have to display this type of leadership and you said how like different situations call for different types of leaders. Yep. So how can you yep. surround yourself with like different types of leaders who like really can leverage their strengths in different times and different situations yep. to like collectively be leaders, right? That was a big takeaway for me too. Yeah, I thought it was a, a really funny example of the, like different leadership in different situations. Like, so I think about like, you know, mm-hmm. command and control leadership. Like a lot of people are just like, let's just throw that out. That's th- a thing of the past. And and I think in most cases it is, it's, it's, it is not a good leadership style. However, mm-hmm. there are situations when you need someone to like step up and take charge. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, if there's a fire, you need one person to be like, get everyone organized. Here's what we do. You go this way. You go that way. Yeah. Here's what we need. No time to discuss. No time for consensus. Yeah. Oh, how should we make sure there's an equitable process yeah. and like how people yeah. get out of you know, the, the, the building? Like, that'd be great, you know, um, you know, women and children first. But like, you really need someone to like take control. However, I was thinking, as I was thinking, I thought about The Office. Yeah. I don't know if you think, remember that? Do you watch The Office? Not really. <sighs> I mean, I've seen episodes, of course. Okay. So there's an episode where. Dwight wants to test everyone's ability to respond to a fire. So he literally starts an actual fire in the building and he takes a blowtorch and like blowtorches the handles of doors. So people test, you know, so he does all this in preparation as everyone's just kind of working and they see smoke like from an actual fire. So everyone starts freaking out. They're running all over the place. Dwight gets up on the desk, starts to try to tell people what to do, but no one's listening to him Yeah, because he hasn't, he hasn't, develop the trust Mm. so even though he's he's displaying leadership he's displaying leadership that's needed in that moment no one listens to him because no one respects him so it was kind of a really interesting example of like even if you do have the right leadership style in that moment that's needed in that moment if you haven't built the trust or the respect of of the people of the quote-unquote followers doesn't make a difference because everyone just was like it was totally chaotic everyone was Trying and to then throw chairs through the windows. Were and, they like looking to the person who kind of has built up that trust with people? Were they ooh. like, were they like, oh, Jim is the one we should listen to in this situation? It's not Michael or Dwight yeah, for sure. Yeah, good question. I mean, I feel like no one has built up any of that <laughs> in, in, that, in, office. in that, that office. Like no one is respected. Yeah. So it was just literal chaos. So that's um, a I just, yeah. great example. Yeah, I thought it was a great example because, yeah, again, it's at the end of the day, it really is about influence. Yeah. Right. Do you influence? people and that can be anyone right so it it doesn't it's not always the person at the top that has the influence to move people and motivate people so yeah that that is a check out that episode though that is fantastic one of the best like opening scenes of any show i've ever seen it's so great even though i don't watch that show much i don't watch shows much every episode Mm. that i've seen it's unbelievably good. Yeah. Oh God. It's it's one of the best so of all time. Good. In fact, after this recording, I'm gonna show you that clip. Please so, do. And if you're right. listening, pull it up. On Everybody YouTube. pull it's it so up. Great. God, that's funny. <laughs> you know what was a real, real good takeaway, Paul? All of our website breaks weren't they just the best? <laughs> they were the best. This is what we typically say. <laughs> hey, a real quick break here to talk about our website. Right? We have a website out there: www.themodernwhiteman.com. We can learn more about our work, read blog posts. 
with topics revolving around the continuous work of being anti-racist, anti-sexist, and our roles, and how we can be authentic leaders, right? Unlike Dwight. We also have a newsletter. Please reach out to us. You know, we have some different ideas for some fun things that we'll be doing over there, you know, coming up. So stay in the loop with all of those things. And uh, my New Year's resolution that I'm starting here at the end of this year is I'm going to write more blog posts. Okay. Mm -hmm. So everybody check it out. Like that's my, that is my New Year's resolution. So check out that website and please connect with us that way. So that's typically how those website breaks went. That's the recap. That was just the best. That's the best part of our show. All right, so now I want to jump up to episode 16 and 17. So those were the two episodes on the ladder of empowerment. I think that you and I have said a lot how impactful that has been for both of us. You know, and remember that that's the process of creating that positive white anti-racist identity. It's by Timo Okun. And, you know, I, I just have to say out of the whole process so far, this is up there for me for the most beneficial takeaway. I mean, as we discussed, the ladder's nine statuses, and we're using statuses now when we can, and all are inevitable, right? So remember, some status examples are like, status three is be like me, and status four is denial and defensiveness, and status five is guilt and shame, six is opening up acknowledgement, and, and there are nine of those, and it's kind of an inevitable step as you move towards having a positive white anti-racist identity. So every single person in their life starts at status one, right? And has to go through each status. And maybe we go to those statuses at different times of life. Maybe for Mm -hmm. those who are in like a very diverse school or neighborhood or what have you, they might be in stat, you know, move from status one to status two and like age three or, Mm -hmm. you know, or four or whatever. Others, like you mentioned, you grew up, you went to a very white high school, kind of status two of what are you was like in college. And that happens to a lot of people where you're like, wait, like Mm -hmm. what's going on here, right? So like that doesn't make when you go to each status good or bad. It's like, it is inevitable. There may be 60 year olds out there who are in status two right now. And that's not bad, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's inevitable. But what we want to do is move up and spend Mm -hmm. the most amount of time in the higher statuses as possible. And we will move back down and, and it'll, it's kind of flowing, right? And like there will be moments where we'll go back to status four of denial and defensiveness and like that's okay. But the aim is to spend the most time possible in the higher statuses. And a couple of my big takeaways from those episodes are that we definitely need support groups to move up, move up the ladder and support groups of people of the same identity particularly so we don't talk to people of color about our guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a burden on them. We need to start to reach out to black, indigenous, and people of color during this work. But this is in like statuses six into seven. And especially in collective action and status eight. But until then, you really have a lot of individual work to do. You really have to do work together. So let's keep the work together and work through those things because you just don't want to go up to people and be like, gosh, I feel so guilty about this and that. And it's just... Let's do that work on our own so that when we do make those cross-racial relationships, we're really prepared to do so and we're not a burden. And then the other big takeaway for for me from this ladder is that it has honestly resulted in me giving other white people more empathy and compassion. All of us white people are extensions of one another. We have all been bamboozled. We We all have these hierarchies that have been seeped inside of us against our will. This lens has really given me more of a connection to others. It has helped me see everyone's humanity. 
in different situations, I am now able to say, hey, that's like a status three. Like, this is how I think I should address this and address it with compassion. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a, the ladder of empowerment just was, was transformational for me. I mean, it just, it helped me see the light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, or that there is a, a tunnel to go down. I think I mentioned that in the episode, just like, it felt like I was just like wandering around in, in, in a forest, not knowing where I was going. And it felt like I was just stuck in guilt and shame. It's like kind of this like depression, like I'm just not getting out of this. This is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So it was just really empowering, which is, you know, the title's apt, right? Yeah, this totally. Empowering that there is, there is a way forward and that there's better way and there's, there's community too i think it, it's isolating in yeah. a lot of ways and i think you know white supremacy or racism all these things i think you know this individualism as a characteristic like that it wants to isolate us you know and so i think like things like shame things like cancel culture like creates that division isolates people and although it, it's it's so tempting to shame like not only ourselves but other people to cancel other people like it's really tempting because we've been conditioned like that's how you address harm is punishment and like think about the, the criminal justice system you you isolate people in cages right. right and like somehow we think that's gonna help them but clearly if you look at the data it doesn't it makes things worse you know so yeah, I think that the latter just really emphasizes community. It emphasizes compassion. It emphasizes being kind to ourselves and other people. And it's just it's refreshing to be yeah, honest. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. like to to see that that is that is there's a better way. And I couldn't agree more. And then you know, finally, episodes eighteen and nineteen, which was really helpful for me too. And we don't really have to do a huge debrief here because they were so recent. Uh, but we talked about white supremacy and dominant culture, right? And Honestly, those ones were challenging, but like in a positive way, it was a positive challenge. And mm-hmm. like we always preach, do the work. It was a lot of work for us to really think about that and like how we want to frame it up. And, you know, you and I in our own individual lives, we're laser focused on equity in the workplace, right? Like it's just the way that how we're passionate to, to kind of create equity and leverage our own strengths in that way. And I think those episodes are a good example of how complex this work is. It even shows like the vital importance of how to label and describe things, right? For me, thinking about inequities in the workplace and even like beyond really is like as the dominant cultural characteristics and having white supremacy as a characteristic. It's just like really helpful for me, right? And mm-hmm. going through that whole process of those two episodes and talking about that uh, was really beneficial. So like, it's just kind of crazy how complex it all is. That at least episode 19, the last one, is like how to label it and approach the workplace mm-hmm. inequities inequities and why like it's just so much work and then we haven't even gotten to specific areas and processes which will take even longer so like as we've said racism extremely complex know that it's not easy keep trying keep failing keep learning apologize and stand up stronger the work part is critical and i don't know that was it's interesting that was like my takeaway besides like the actual content Mm -hmm. of the dominant cultural characteristics the work is hard, but gosh, it feels good if you like keep powering through. So like, yep. let's keep at it. Yeah, that's that's a big takeaway too from this whole experience is, and it's what's really encouraged me is to keep showing up. Because yeah, I think I probably mentioned past episodes. There was a time where I, I stopped showing up because I kept screwing up. I kept making mistakes. I kept harming other people with things I said and did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just making things worse by showing up. So I'm just going to stop altogether. And yeah, we talked about that, that. Not only is that selfish, but now I'm, I'm now I'm doing nothing. Like it's it's not helpful to anyone. So I think it's just yeah, it's just really critical that we accept the fact that we we will continue, unfortunately, to harm other people and make mistakes. But we have to keep showing up. Yeah, you know, we have to keep learning. We have yeah. to stay. That's why we say stay, stay humble at yep. the end of every yep. episode because. Yep. 
without that humility, we're going to think that we suck at this and we're just going to give up and, and that doesn't help anyone. So yeah. humility helps us to learn from mistakes, to grow, to be open and curious, to learn from our mistakes mm-hmm. rather than see them as a judgment upon who we are. It's an opportunity to grow. So yeah. well said. Yeah. That's really well said. That's a perfect little bow on like our little recap. Nicely done. That was well said. Like if you can take anything away and that's it, keep showing up. Also like, you know, you and I, we've said so many times, how many times we've made mistakes in this work Mm -hmm. and failed and like, we can say how much easier it gets. It never gets easy. Yeah. It's yes. Easier every time, though. At least for me. Yes. Like it, it. Like each time I see it more and more as a learning experience. It's yeah. never like this is fun. I love getting called out, but like now I'm I'm grateful, and so just keep showing up, and like it becomes easier, and you can you can become grateful. For that. Yeah, I think for me, certain things become easier the more I do them, just like anything else, right? Yeah. You know. But there's definitely things I haven't like even ventured into yet that I'm like scared to venture into like that's gonna be hard yeah you know but then when I venture into it when I'm when I try it out when I make mistakes when I learn then it becomes easier Um, but I think it's just like any you know hockey for you baseball for me any sport any hobby like at first it's gonna be hard certain things get easier and then you you raise your game a little bit right 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 now it's hard again but it gets easier over time so totally. i think it's a good recap keep showing up but 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 think about and 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 be mindful of how you show up yes right that's great. it's not just about showing up because we can show up in very harmful ways right especially as white men right that's what we've talked about this whole time so show up but think about how you show up and learn better ways to show up well said you know we're, we're big into doing the work right We have some suggested action steps for you. So we are going to be taking a little break because we have some exciting stuff on the horizon that we will be announcing soon. So keep an eye out on that on like a little announcement episode. But you know, we're getting towards the holiday season, the end of the year, and um, we're going to take a little break and plan for what's next. But the work never stops, right? And I promise some blog posts will be coming out too, so you can keep an eye on those. But we have some action steps for you to take while we take a little break before we launch what's next to kind of continue this recap and like how can we keep growing and moving forward. So here are just a few. The number one is journal. Like legit write down somewhere instances in your life where you have been racist, supported a racist policy, or had a racist idea. And then if you want, feel free to cast that piece of paper into the fire, you know, or like put a lock on it, like you said, Paul. Mm -hmm. But as Ibram X. Kendi says, confession is the heartbeat of anti-racism. I feel like you and I have tried to practice that and we continue to, but like not everything you have to hop on a podcast and like tell the world about. There are things that like Mm -hmm. admit it to yourself. That's Mm -hmm. really, really powerful. And, And we've talked about how liberating it is to recognize the racism within us. It's almost like counterintuitive, but that is how we break it down. And Paul and I both attest it really is helpful. And we can see it as something that has been instilled in us against our will and it's bad. We are not bad. I love how you always say that from Brené Brown. It is bad. We all have the same hierarchies seeped into us and we have the power to eliminate it. Yeah, just throwing a recommendation here. Um, so Ibram X. Kendi actually created a journal version for his book called Be Anti-Racist. So I think that's the perfect, if if you're not a kind of freeform journaler, you need some sort of prompts, which is me for sure. Check that out. And of course, as always, if you have the means and, and the financial ability, buy it from a black owned bookstore. But I think that's that's the perfect journal to get started. Yeah, great reco there. The second action step that we suggest is, again, on that ladder of empowerment that we just talked about, like really get to know it. 
we can't say enough how helpful this thing is in our growth and to know where you are and to know what the goal is and what the next status is in that goal is, and, and like little goals in between, you know, it's really invaluable. So we'll link the ladder again in this notes and, and check it out. Maybe type it out, print it out, make your marks, like really reflect on it. I want to like print it out and like pin it by my desk, you know, like always have it visible because it's really helpful to reflect on it. Where do you think you spend the most time? Be honest with yourself. How can you start recognizing those stages in everyday life? Like, what do you want to work on to get closer to that next status? It can be small goals. That's what makes a big difference. So that's something that you can do to really help. Yeah, an episode, last episode, really made me think about how to use that ladder with other identities. So thinking you could apply it to gender and patriarchy, right? So how does denial and defensiveness show up when you think about patriarchy and male dominance? You know, so I guilt like and shame. So it's 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 versatile. It's applicable to other other ways that you're growing in, in all forms of inequities. Yeah, I like that a lot. And then another action step is take a good look at the social change ecosystem. We will also link that in the notes of this episode. Again, that's like where in the equity work can you leverage your individual strengths to play the right part for you? It can be confusing and overwhelming if you are pinballing around with all the things that are wrong in society and trying to think about how you can help everything. Not everyone can, nor should, really important, play every role. In the link that we'll link here, you can check out that website and there are downloadable materials that explain each bubble with reflection questions that can really help you identify what bubble you might get the most out of and make the biggest impact in. It's a really powerful exercise that can provide a lot of clarity. So that's another thing that print out, mark up, and think about. I'll add too as an action step. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are working right now, um, work for an organization. So just find out what's happening right now with DEI efforts at work. Find out who's running things, if there's a chief diversity officer or a DEI coordinator, and just kind of set up a meeting with them. Say, hey, I, I want to help. What can I do? Resist the urge, though, to lead or take charge. Just listen and, and learn first. I know that's that seems counterintuitive. This, you know, What can I do? Listen and lead first. But Maybe, yeah, maybe my recommendation is first just sit down and, and listen. So tell me what, you know, I'd love to learn about what's going on right now. What are you, what are you thinking about? What's some of your strategy? Maybe save what can I do for a li- another meeting you yeah. know, down the road. Yeah. But first just learn and learn about them. Learn about them as a human being. We've referenced the high burnout rates for folks in this position. I think it would go a long way to say like, hey, I'm here to help in whatever way is helpful, most helpful. Also, some of you might not have, your org might not be doing anything, right? Maybe they put out a statement after George Floyd was murdered, but they don't have any professed efforts or or mission statements going on this is where leveraging your power and privilege comes into play so start to shake things up right like ask those in charge what what are you doing what's the plan here what's i don't see i don't see anything happening you know going with expecting to learn but like i I don't see anything i haven't heard anything so what's the plan here moving forward and then keep at it you know if if uh if still things aren't happening keep at it keep poking and prodding but i also recommend getting allies find people in the organization to help you with this this is again not an individual thing to do it's not sustainable and especially for those of us who are white you know there's that temptation to be like this is hard i don't want to do it anymore right so we stop right or i'm not getting anywhere so i'm just giving up right so but if you have allies people to hold you accountable just to to shake things up and that's what's going to happen like you're going to ruffle some feathers it's it's inevitable i think we all have to accept that and there's a way to ruffle feathers in like a 
good way like you know like you don't have to go in and be like this is a racist institution that is displaying dominant cultural characteristics in every corner right like you don't (laughs) have to do anything like that like just ask the right questions and and again like if this is episode 20 for you if you've listened to the majority of our episodes like you've done a lot of identity work Mm -hmm. and go in and be humble and ask questions and like yeah you'll ruffle feathers but it doesn't mean let's go in with you know yeah you can go in yeah guns are blazing because that won't help anybody so that's a great one so that's good. You know, the individual work, it never ends, right? Let's keep at it. And we'll stay in contact with us. Sign up for that newsletter again, because it'll be a bit until until you hear about what's next. Well, you hear about what's next somewhat recent, and then we'll come back and we'll continue this work. So thanks again to you all for listening. 20 episodes, pretty cool. So until next time, let's keep learning. Stay humble and let's do the work. Thank you for listening to The Modern White Man. Please connect with us on our website, themodernwhiteman.com, where you can learn more about our work, read blog posts with topics revolving around the continuous work of being anti-racist and anti-sexist, and subscribe to our newsletter to stay in the loop with various relevant topics and future ways to get more involved. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and share, both individually and on social media. That's how we get the most traction. After all, the more white men that have these conversations, the better.